Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. From speaking at his high school graduation to running a motivational consulting business, Jay Wong always knew deep down what he was meant to do once he let go of trying to control the process. Jay's authentic enthusiasm shines through in this episode of Hack the Process as he discusses meeting his mentors on his Inner Changemaker podcast, how he came up with his focus on legacy over currency, and the importance of applying what you learn, whether it's a business lesson or the simple lifestyle choices that help keep Jay rested, hydrated, oxygenated, and ready for the next opportunity. Today I'm talking with Jay Wong. He's a podcaster who podcasts about the inner change maker, and he's also a motivational speaker. Jay, how do you introduce yourself? You've got so many things going on. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, David. I, I think you, you need to be going at life, right? There's so many things that I think are trapped in our heads, all the ideas that we want to get out, depending on the type of event I'm at. For me, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a creator. I'm a messenger. And I do it in a lot of different ways, sometimes in, in a business setting it's it's through consulting and it's through speaking other times it's through just being able to create being a, a youtuber being a podcaster the label doesn't matter as much it really matters though that you know you're you're able to take what you have going on inside here inside your head and be able to kind of showcase it to the world i think people get caught up on those labels right away and what's great about the way you're approaching this is that it seems like you're just going off in lots of different directions and finding the things that you're passionate about yeah yeah i mean you know passion is one of those it's kind of like one of those myths right and like i don't know if we, we necessarily want to want to start here but you know let's we, dive we, in deep i do well, not mind starting deep <laughs> but you know i i think finding something you're passionate I, it goes without saying that you need to find something that you know you you absolutely love day in and day out because there are going to be days where you wake up and you don't feel like doing anything you know there are going to be days where you absolutely love every aspect of it right but you don't need just passion because if you just have passion then you're banking on the fact that you're going to love it every single day right what you need is you need to have a certain level of skill right if you don't have that skill you need to be able to have a way of developing that skill and believe it or not you need a bit of a, a process right and i know that you know it's all in the system and it's in the process because the the passion is great but you know it's kind of like um what's that quote that's there's, there's a quote that says the road to hell is paved with good intentions i always think about that when i hear things like oh I, i'm so passionate about this oh you know this year dave I'm, I'm i'm gonna my intention is to go 10x everybody wants to do well everybody has great passion when they're starting it's not about that it's good to have that but it's about when you're in the middle of it when it's really crappy when it's raining outside and it's like Sunday and you just want to take the day off, but maybe you don't. What systems, what habits, what is going to take over when that passion inevitably runs out? 
Well, that was one of the reasons why I brought up passion around you, because one of the things you exude every time that you speak is this sense of enthusiasm for what you're doing. And you know that that cannot be a genuine enthusiasm every single time. And I'm, I'm really curious, how do you bring that out? You know, David, this is a great question. I don't think I've gotten asked this question, actually, in many interviews. So kudos to you. I think it's it's always about, you know, we're just talking about how intentions, essentially, they, they fail us. I think what's even better than intentions is expectations. Like, we usually get what we expect, right? And for me, it's about stepping into a certain identity, and I learned this from a really, really good friend of mine. His name is Shannon Graham. And, you know, Shannon taught me this a, a little while ago because I remember I was sharing with him that, Shannon, I'm really struggling going to the gym, for example. You know, I'm really struggling, like, waking up early and going to the gym, like, doing that type of process. I know I need to do it. So conceptually, it makes sense. Logically, I'm sold, right? My intention is that I want to eat healthier. I want to go to the gym. I want to do that. Everybody gets that. Everybody understands that. But how come I can't do it? And Shannon says, well, what is your identity attached to? And then we, we dug and we dug and dug. And we realized that my identity was not of an athlete identity. Because if you, if you interview an athlete, if you talk to somebody who does you know, sports full time, you, know, you talk to anybody in any league, what does athletes do? Athletes, they, they go to the gym. They train, right? They get ready for the game. They eat healthier by default. They usually sleep a little a little earlier in the night, so they wake up earlier. It's part of the identity. So, you know, to answer your question, for me, I step into that identity of a speaker. I step into that identity of somebody who is looking to make a difference. Somebody who either will teach you, hopefully, you know, a framework or a perspective, or at least at the very minimum, inspire you to think in a different way. And so that's the identity I step into every single time anything comes on. It's not like this podcast goes off and I'm, I'm a different Jay. I'm, you know, whatever. Like, this is just me, but I know that in certain formats, especially in trainings and, and live events, that I want to be able to break the mode of what people are in, right? And sometimes coming over the top with enthusiasm and energy, that's a way of what resonates with people. And it's able to kind of pull them out of the mundane and, and their norm. That is fascinating because I've talked to a number of people who are public speakers and one of the things that they've said is that you can be an introvert and still be a very successful public speaker as long as you can embody that energy that you're resonating with the crowd. And, and I think it's about being, I know it sounds probably a little overly cheesy at this stage, but I do think there is a lot to be said about being authentic. Right. I think so much of what you do, David, and so much of what I do, so much of what entrepreneurs, personal brands, people that are creating anything. It's like I always tell my students, it's like all of this. Don't forget that this journey is about figuring out your message, but it's also about finding your voice. Right. And I say finding your voice. It's not saying you got to copy what Jay is doing. Right. You don't have to copy what David is doing. You have to find what you're doing. The catch to that is that the only way to do that is by creating. The only way to do that is by hitting publish. The only way to do that is by what Neil Gaiman will tell you is almost like putting yourself too far out there. There's, there's a quote he says, when you feel like you're walking on the street, showing too much of yourself, bearing too much of your soul, that is the beginning of you getting it right. That is fascinating. And I, I respect what you're talking about here, because again, it, it all comes down to being authentic to yourself and sharing that thing that you truly are rather than trying to put on a facade. 
and it's going to be different, right? It's going to be different for everyone. It's great to want to emulate your heroes, but that's not going to help you. It might help you get started, but what's really going to help you is the consistency of doing anything, of creating, and then being able to leverage and find your voice and let that develop. You know, I always say the podcast is one of the biggest business hacks and a life hack because it gives me a chance to record my own breakthroughs. And I get the opportunity to come up with those breakthroughs with people who inspire you the way that I'm sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> absolutely a beautiful process, isn't it? It is. How did you get started with this? Because you've been doing this for a while. You've got a very successful podcast going. Yeah. You know, I kind of started in podcasting. I think it seems like it was by accident, but it's almost like I also tried everything else before that. And I don't know, maybe for your listeners and, and maybe for yourself, maybe you resonate with that a little bit because the person that you're hearing I do podcasts and, and videos and trainings all the time now. But when I first started, I didn't even know how to upload a video to YouTube. I had no idea how to, what mic to get where, to plug in where, you know, like none of that technology stuff. But I wanted to start. I just had this inkling. And I think a lot of us get this inkling, David, which is we get this like kind of tap on the shoulder. We maybe don't know exactly how to put it into words, how to explain it to people. But we, we know intuitively that maybe we have a message to share with the world. Maybe it's our story. Maybe it's a perspective. Maybe it's just some truth that we want to be able to share. We just have no idea, you know, maybe what it is and how to share it, right? For me... What I was doing in the very beginning is is what I call, you know, I, w I was on the hamster wheel of content creation. I was just running around going after shiny object after shiny object. So-and-so tells me that I need to start blogging. So, I, okay, I, I don't like necessarily writing, but I guess I need to have a blog. So-and-so tells me like Pinterest is like the next thing. So, oh my God, I got to go study Pinterest. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of us, we, we just see what people are doing and we try to copy and we try to emulate our best in the beginning. And I remember being fortunate enough to be at one of these entrepreneurial dinners. It was like, I wasn't very successful doing that. I was creating a lot of content, which was great. I was trying to figure out my own voice. I was probably trying on a lot of different things. And being at this dinner, people have taken notice of the action that I was taking. People were seeing some of the content. And one of the remarks was saying, you know, Jay, it's, it's really interesting. You're doing so much. Have you ever thought about maybe having like a hub? You know, just like one place where you can kind of create a community around that one place. Maybe it's video, maybe it's all these things, maybe it's email, I don't know. But have you ever thought about creating like your own podcasts? And not joking, David, like I didn't even know that you could create your own podcast, right? <laughs> I, I thought you really had to like go and rent a room in like a radio station somewhere. I was like, uh, do I have to like, I, I don't know. Like I just imagined, you know, a picture of the basement studio. I'm like, oh, I got to go like where I'm living in Toronto. So like everything's condos. I was like, I don't have a basement. You're just like all these like irrational thoughts, right? You know, I, I looked into it and uh, turns out the technology is pretty amazing, right? That we are able to even do this, connect, be able to see each other, listen to each other. And then somebody from some country somewhere in the world could get a chance to be impacted by this or at least get a chance to listen to the story. After that dinner, about seven weeks later, I launched my podcast. I, I had no email list. I had no personal brand at the time. Not that I'm so famous now and not that anybody like nothing like that but literally I knew nothing about online marketing it was just something that I thought I can make this work 
I know I can get on the mic. I know I can rip it. I, I, I have no idea what my message is, but I'm going to start sharing. I'm going to start interviewing. To our surprise, this was when new and noteworthy was still a thing in the podcast world. So this was like 2015, uh, the end of 2015 or summer of. Yeah, I was doing the, the whole round of new and noteworthy. The theme of the show was legacy, still is legacy over currency. And because of that, we've been able to grab some really interesting guests to come on. And because of them promoting, because of them sharing, we have the podcast that, that we have today. It's kind of surreal looking back because it's only been, we haven't hit the two-year mark yet. We're actively listened to in 119 countries, which blows my mind. And just the people that I've been able to meet and the lessons that I've been able to learn and how that's been able to impact me and my business, it's been you know really tremendous. I can definitely resonate with that. I, I love the idea that I can sit here and have a pleasant conversation with somebody who inspires me and who's interesting and then share that out. And hundreds of thousands of hours are being spent with people around the world listening to this and getting value out of it. And I'm a part of that process. And it's one of the things that attracts me to podcasting. But I wanted to, to get into, you were talking about legacy over currency. Tell us a little bit more about that concept. You know, I, I think going back to something we've talked about, even at earlier this conversation, which is you're not going to really know in the beginning what your message is, right? And you're not going to know, like you're not going to sound, you're not going to sound like David on your first try. You're not going <laughs> to sound like me on your first try. You're going to sound like you really, really want your first try to go well. <laughs> and it's and you're probably reading something. I don't know. You're probably doing all sorts of things, right? To really psych yourself out. But for me, I arrived to legacy over currency because I, I thought that was the closest that I can come to figuring, like that was the, the most niche down that I could figure out what the podcast was really about. And in the beginning, it was about impact. I was like, oh, I'm going to be Asian Tony Robbins, right? Dave, this is the game. This is, this is the game plan, all right? Asian Tony Robbins, and we're going to talk about impacting people and we're going to change lives, all right? Who's on board? Who's not? And then, you know, as people kept asking me about it, it was, it was really general. And I remember I was doing a course at the time. I was a part of like an online marketing, you know, beta course of somebody's. The first module of any good course is usually about the avatar. Like who, who do you want to make a difference for? Who, who the audience is? What's the problem you're solving? And I remember being stuck on that first module for like two months. I couldn't get past like people were building like Facebook ads and people were like, you know, building like full blown campaigns. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't get myself because I couldn't get past who is it, like this question right here. Like, who am I trying to make a difference for? What's the problem that I'm solving? All I could think back was like, oh, I want to create an impact. That's all I could say. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start interviewing. This is what I'm going to do, David. This is this is the genius at, at play here. I'm going to start interviewing people that are creating impact, which I believe are social entrepreneurs, right? Because it's like a tangible thing, right? Like kind of like Tom Shoes model. If I buy a pair of shoes, then, you know, somewhere someone donates another pair of shoes to someone in need, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. And David, not, not joking, second interview, about 10 minutes into the second interview, after like I'm like creating it with them, and I just knew that that was not the angle. I could just feel my energy in the conversation. I could feel where it was going, and I was like, this is not, like it's part of it, right? I'm not saying I turned down all social entrepreneurs now for my podcast, that's, that's not necessarily the <laughs> case either, but, I just knew that that wasn't right. And so uh, uh, the more I dug, the more I, I was thinking, it's not actually about impact, right? It is about impact, but it's about trying to, to create something that goes beyond you. Trying to create something that goes beyond just your ego and thinking that you're gonna have a statue about yourself. Like it's about you having a bit of a legacy, but 
when you're actively doing it, you're not looking at it per those lens. And I was like, well, I think I heard it from Gary Vee or, or somebody. Somebody, I, or actually, I know, remember, I remember exactly who I heard it from. Jason Gaynard, who's one of my favorite people on the planet and a great entrepreneur. He's the founder of Mastermind Talks. He talked about it. He said, you know, legacy over currency. And I go, that's it. I want people that are trying to chase legacy rather than the money. And it's funny, as I've interviewed you know, some, some pretty successful people, I remember many people, crit not criticizing, but pointing out different flaws, even in that little legacy over currency, right? I remember Jarek Robbins coming on the show and saying, you know, I saw your theme was legacy over currency, but you realize, like, why not both, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know, oh, Jarek, why don't you tell us, right? And, and I remember, um, you know, interviewing of Grant Cardone, international, you know, recognized as, as one of the top sales trainers in the world. Sure. And he said, the thing about legacy is like you need currency to build legacy, you know, and, and he was he was promoting his book. He's like, do you know how much money I put behind the book, behind the videos? That's legacy. But you know how much money like you need currency. Right. And then we've had people come on to like, I think legacy is, is totally bullcrap. You know, don't even look at, don't even care about legacy. Try to find as much money as possible. And we've had other people that are a little more like legacy is it's, it's about my children. Right. And so that's where you get that that colorful type of distinction in terms of what it means for each person. And I think the evolution of it, this is just part of the evolution. I don't think I've ever talked about this, but that's part of the evolution of the message. Right now, I actually think I mean, we, we started really defining change maker and change makers are modern day leaders. Right. For me, it's not about trying to impact the rest of the world. It's about looking at the people in your life, David. It's about looking at your parents, about looking at your brothers and sisters, looking at your coworkers, your inner circle, whoever you deem that's part of it, and saying, How can I be a better leader? How can I be a change maker so I can change their world? It's not about changing the world. And that ties right back into the, the name of, of what you're doing here, which isn't just change makers, but inner change makers. I'm curious, where do you make that distinction? And how did you come up with that? Oh, man, David, coming up that name was like, that was hard. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. That, that was <laughs> difficult. I almost called it, uh, I really, really love, I mentioned this in, in every interview, I think. But one of the biggest books that made a big impact for me was Julia Cameron, The Artist Within. I was vagabonding in Asia, but that was one of the only books I read that year. And it was like, I followed that book to like a T. You know how like you rarely do that? Maybe some people like they do that with every book, but I rarely do that. And, and that book made such a big difference for me. And I almost called it, literally, I'm not joking. I almost called the podcast, The Changemaker Within, which would have been, you know, like The Artist Within, right? Probably wouldn't have been that bad. But I remember looking at, I wrote out all the different names, right? And I looked at, I looked at all the different URLs, the short forms, like the acronyms and how it would break down. You know what I mean? And I remember the Changemaker Within or like TCW, that was like taken. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so like, uh, and then I thought Changemaker Within, maybe it's like too long. I even got the designer to design the different titles, but like on the same logo and just to see what it would look like. And there was something about the inner Changemaker that just kind of stuck out. It, it also made sense from the design point of view. It also made sense from the URL point of view. And I was like, you know what? I like the inner change maker. So people can start tapping in to their inner change maker. It's like the power is within. Like everything that we do in personal development, it's not about trying to change some external part of you. It's not about necessarily all the tactics and frameworks, which those are great. There's great value in that. But it's about shifting something inside. Because once you're able to shift that, once you're able to step into a certain mindset, a certain identity, now you're tapping into what I call the inner change maker.
So it's not about changing the external world necessarily, but that might happen as part of the process as you make your inner changes. Yes, 100%. When you go through this process for yourself, I mean, you, you were looking at yourself and you were thinking inner change. How does that realize itself in your life? Getting a chance to do this work, I think we have more, any person that creates content will understand this, which is you have the opportunity to embody your message rather than just preach it. Now, there's a lot of people out there that will preach certain messages, right? But I think the power comes from, are you applying? Everything Everything in life comes down to, uh, there, there's a famous quote by Anthony Robbins, right? He says, knowledge is not power, but the application of knowledge is power, right? That's where you can actually change your life. So it's great that you're listening to this podcast, but I would challenge you, what are you gonna do after? What's the habit, what's the takeaway for you that you're gonna apply today and do something today that you didn't do yesterday or you wouldn't be open to doing a, a week ago, right? So for me, I, I think this process has been, you know, I used to, there's so many different thoughts and limiting beliefs and, and myths that I had to kind of overcome for myself. I think we all do in our own lives, but some of mine had to do with personal development. For example, how goal setting, I think goal setting is a total myth, okay? It's a total lie because what usually starts happening when people, I'm not saying don't ever set goals, I'm saying the way people set goals. The way people set goals is usually they, they set this 10x goal, right? And they start walking towards it, walking towards it. And usually what happens is that they'll measure themselves against their goal. It creates more negativity than positivity because they forget to look backwards. They forget to say, oh my God, I was only there three months ago. I was only there six months ago. I was there two years ago, five years ago. They don't really honor the journey. They forget about honoring the journey. Does that make sense? It sounds like something that you've had personal experience with. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I remember reading, uh, what's that book? Think and Grow Rich, writing the letters of myself, telling myself how much money I was gonna make, and then every day being in that cycle of, you know what, I'm, I'm not gonna hit that. Or am I living in a, in a lie, asking myself that, right? Like I'm doing everything the book says, how come I'm not getting the same results? Maybe is it a patience thing? Maybe, totally, maybe, totally, total flaw of mine. But what I've come to realize is that it's not applying the tactics, okay? This is what I'm saying. It's not about applying all the different frameworks and then seeing what works. It's about figuring out and realizing that you are, are perfect in this exact moment. Like you're ready now. It's your turn now. It's your opportunity to step into the mic, the stage, your spotlight moment today, right? And when you realize that, you realize I'm not training for anything. Yeah, I am training for the perfect moment or whatever, but the perfect moment is today. The perfect moment is now. So what are you gonna do today? And that's about stepping into that abundance. It's about stepping into that identity today rather than any day else. Because in personal development, I feel people are always looking. They're seeking out. They buy the books. They buy the course because they feel like they're not good enough. At some level, they feel like I don't have X. So if I buy X, if I, if I get this, if I somehow get the skill, if I get the money, if I get the relationship, then I'm going to be enough. right? But you realize that you're starting from a place of lack and you're building upon lack. Therefore, it's an unstable foundation. But if you're, st if you're coming from a place where I'm full 
I'm full today. Like I am everything that I need to be. I have all the skills that I need to be successful today. And you're coming from that vantage point. And sure, you want to go learn some new skills so that you can add to the already perfection that you are. And I think it's a bit of a nuance. I don't know if it makes sense the way I'm explaining it. I hope it does. It does. Yeah, it sounds to me like some people would interpret that as uh, enlightenment <laughs> and being present to the moment. And I'm curious, how did you come to that realization yourself? First of all, I like that you said that it's enlightenment. I did a talk in February in uh, Tampa. The person that introduced me, really nice guy, his name is Bruce. He introduced me and he said, you know, the next speaker coming up, I, when I think of him, I think of one word and I think of the word wisdom. And that's how he introduced me. You know how, like, David, the, there's some compliments that you're like, oh, okay, I can totally handle that compliment. If you tell me, like, I have great hair, I'm like, cool. I've gotten that, like, a hundred times, and I'm like, I'm good with it. I know how to deal with that. Or, like, hey, Jay, you, you're really enthusiastic. Oh, okay, cool. Like, I, I've heard that. But wisdom is like, oh, my God, like, almost like I wasn't ready for that. And I felt kind of something similar when, when you said enlightenment. I just want to remind people, anytime you watch someone on stage or you're listening to a thing like this or you're, you're watching or you're putting someone on stage on a pedestal maybe in your mind, just know that you're actually not, people are not listening to me right now. Yes, you're listening to me in the physical form, but what you're really hearing is a combination of the last 500 to 1,000 conversations that I've had. You're literally listening to like little pieces of little nuggets that I've taken from here and here and here and here and here and putting it all together and it's coming out of me so easily and it's overflowing and that's what you're listening, right? You're not listening to, to me. So the way that I personally arrived to it, I think so much of this is about going out. This as in like, how do I get more successful in my business? How do I get more successful in my life? How do I do this? Like, who, like I want better relationships. I want better whatever, like style. I want better whatever. Like whatever it is that people feel they need, right? Like this, it's about going out there and taking like a stupid amount of action. Like I used to say like massive action, but then like it's like too daunting for people because here's what's happening. If you're currently stuck in your routine right now, if you're like in your head, you got all these ideas going, you're like, I don't know how to action any of these things. Maybe like if I stay here, somebody's going to somehow, we always have these perfect scenarios. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to be ready. David, I'm going to be ready. The second I get, I finish through the, the eight books, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be a different person. But the truth is you might be a different person. You might not, but you're only going to change your situation. You're only going to get unstuck by moving. You need to create momentum in your life. You need to create momentum in a different way. That's why I love doing these types of things. Because like if I'm in a slump, even if I'm having a, ba a bad day, this conversation, this is creating some momentum for me. So it's about going out there. It's about just conversing. Like if nobody talks to you, great. Go to the coffee shop. Talk to five people. I guarantee you, you're going to come out. You're going to be very different. You know, like it's just that momentum, right? And I think people, they're, they're stuck and they're complaining about being stuck, but they don't do anything about it. Yes, it has to do with the 500 conversations, but it probably has to do with me taking an like a crazy amount of action, of publishing, of, of doing the things that I want to do to try to figure out how to take care of my family, to try to figure out how to build a business, to figure out how to build a brand. I don't know how to do these things. I don't know how to answer the question of legacy over currency, but it doesn't matter that I don't know the answer. It matters that I'm in the process of figuring that out, right? I think if you knew how to how to come up with the answer to that, you wouldn't be motivated to go out and do these interviews and run your podcast. Yeah, and so that's what I think. I think people are just not doing enough. And now, on the other hand, people are like, oh my God, I, I work 18 hours. Like, 
you know, you should probably sleep. Like sleep is like a huge thing for me. I think you do need to take care of your body. You do need to think about high performance, but take a crazy amount of action when, you know, you're, you're whatever, you're 12 hours, you're eight hours, like just be going at it because life moves so fast already. We have a chance every day to be able to create something, to be able to showcase our ideas, to be able to change, make someone's day, you know, at the very lowest, right? And I, and I think that's, that's really special. I appreciate the genuineness that that brought out because I, I threw the term enlightenment at you and you responded in, in a way that demonstrated how you truly feel about the way that you're approaching things. And the message people have summarized at the fake it till you make it concept. And you're out there making those things, you know, even if you're taking stupid actions, you're in the process of making it happen. Well, it, it, that's the thing, David, it goes back to stepping into identity, right? People are like, oh, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Like, really step into the mindset of it. Why is it that there's a distinction between people that are always playing, right? Or people that are, like, in the game. It's like, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Both people are, are playing. They're, like, going through the motions. They seem like they're doing a lot. But the person that's playing to win, their identity is, I'm going to find a way to win. That's what their mindset, that's the identity. Like, I'm going to find a way to win. I'm a winner. I'm going to find a way to win. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that's possible. The person that's playing not to lose, they're saying, okay, I'm, I'm playing. This is great. This is really scary. This is awesome. But they're trying to control, right? They're like, oh, I, I, I just don't want to lose that much. So maybe I want to risk a little bit here. You're, you're playing more defense than offense. And I'm just telling you, you need, and this is a great reminder for myself. Like, I need to go on more offense. God, David, I love this interview. I mean, I got, I got to go on way more offense. You're right. You're totally right. <laughs> You're right. You're the one who's saying it. And it's, <laughs> it's true. It's, it, it, people, people don't realize just how much courage it takes to embody that lack of control that you need in order to, in, be, to participate actively and be the winner. So much of this comes down to this was the biggest piece of personal development concept that I struggled with, which was letting go. Because like I'm, I'm a huge control freak. I don't know, maybe, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, personally. I've met a lot of them, and that's just my personal opinion. But I think when you're creating, you have to let go. You have to let go of the expectation. You have to let go of like how it's supposed to go. It's not supposed to go anywhere, you know what I mean? It's not supposed to be anything. It is, like this is gonna be what it needs to be. You know, this conversation, right? But if I have like this perfect, I have this like image of what it needs to be like everything that me and you say maybe if it's like out of line or out of sync with what my image is then I'm like oh my god I I'm trying to control the situation but like when it comes to creation I think you need to let go like that I think that's that's super important and it sounds like something that comes up a lot in the interviews that people I'm talking to entrepreneurship and delegation and letting go of things being exactly the way that you imagine them versus letting the process take over and allowing them to become what they can be with multiple resources that can be applied. Could you tell us a little bit about the structure of your business these days and how you how you run that? Sure. Great question. But I heavily recommend a book that everybody should read if you're listening to this. I know I just like bash books and <laughs> like earlier parts of this interview. That's okay. This is going to be a very impressive set of show notes. People are going to want to go there and read all of these little references that you're popping out here. Yeah. And, and then look, you don't even have to read the book. I can tell you in like one sentence what, what to do. But there's a book because I know people are like, I, I want the book. I want, I want the reference. Essentialism, right? Essentialism is a really, really great book. Here, here's like the one line. You can do anything. You can do anything in life, David. You just can't do everything. You can do anything. You can't do everything. So there's essential things and there's non-essential things. Most things that we all do, probably non-essential, right? When you get super clear on what it is essential that I want to do, 
when you get super, super, what are the essential things that's going to move my business forward? What, that's going to move my movement forward. That's going to grow my brand. That's going to help me get to where I want to go. What are the essential, essential things? You realize you spend a lot of time doing non-essential things. And for me, David, there's two focuses. The, the way that we, we've been running things is that number one focus is in consulting and speaking. And so I get a chance to help small businesses to either launch podcasts or maybe put a voice behind their products and services and really help them with their online marketing, right? And, and building their presence out. Consulting and speaking kind of go hand in hand. I found that my speaking conversion does really well. And so I try to do as much consulting and speaking as well because it helps grow my brand and it funds the movement. It funds things like the podcast. It funds the YouTube videos. It funds the lifestyle, the trip, so forth. So that's one. And we have a couple kind of, you know, we, we have freelancers that we have on. We have a Facebook individual that's on, on our team. We have a video editor that take care of, you know, all the videos and the podcasts and things like that. And so th that's kind of like the business side of things. The other thing is more of a, on the personal side, I also manage my family's real estate investments. So it's a little more like heady, right? But that's really more, it goes back to that message of change maker. Are you taking care of people around you? Are you finding a way to be a leader in their lives and impacting who they are? And it's something that my, my family has been into for, for, for the last few years. And it's something that I manage on their behalf. And so those are the kind of like the two different businesses that I'm a part of. And I know that the way you came to this, I, I believe you used to do live meetups as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you ask because I'm in Toronto. Toronto is like my hometown. So we actually sold our event-based business earlier this year and so we, we were running toronto internet marketers and it was all around internet marketing so it gave us a chance to kind of get away from the laptop and kind of come out and meet people live in person and uh, what we would do is it's kind of like a podcast where we just brought on some amazing experts you know sometimes it was a panel sometimes it was just one person and and they would be able to come share their knowledge whether it was facebook ads or seo or e-commerce whatever it is that was really amazing because I think the world always needs more live experiences. I think it's too lonely of a world. It's too lonely of a journey of being a creator, being an entrepreneur. And, and everybody's just kind of in their world trying to make it work. I think the marketplace and the world always yearns for more of an experience where we could come together and collaborate in person. And so that was something that we wanted to create space and in and, and our own business. But yeah, I mean, I'm still heavily, heavily debating how I can incorporate live meetups with all the things I do with Changemaker, whether it's retreats or workshops. It's just something that I think is, is definitely something I love and something that people would love to see more of. The, there's an energy that comes from those live events and from, from live public speaking as well. I'm curious, how did you get into public speaking in the first place? Man, this is great. So I, haven't, I don't know if I've told a story ever. Like, do, do you want to know like... How about this? What if I shared with you the story that the day I knew I was going to speak for probably the rest of my life? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of the things that a lot of people fear and you've made it part of your, your identity. And this is, it's, it's funny because I, I don't really go back this far a lot, but I actually went to, even though I'm Canadian, I went to high school in the U.S., and I actually, I grew up in Maryland. So I know you're in San Fran, but it was just in the East Coast. And, and so long story short, our, our high school had a kind of an open competition, okay, to figure out who would be the male speaker and the female speaker of the graduating class. 
it wasn't based on academics because even though my school was like, I think it was like called an IB school, International Baccalaureate School. Mm -hmm. It's like a super magnet school. And so if we did like the typical ranking of someone getting a Vactorian spot, it would be like the top, you know, three students and they would kind of battle it out to see who speaks at graduation. But because they couldn't do that, because the top 100, 150 spots would be skewed for these academically gifted individuals, they just decided to run this open, they had a committee and they would be like, okay, open competition. I was terrible like at school, not like terrible, but like, like I was always really good, but not great at any topic. You know, there was nothing academically that like really stood out to me. And I remember for whatever reason, I, I was like by myself in the hallway and I saw the little poster and it was hung up on, you know, one of these high school hallways and it just said like an open competition. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I don't know. Like I can kind of, I, I think I can do it. Like I think I could like make it a, a, a talk. And there was a, there was a second part of me that kind of felt this, I don't know, like kind of feel like I could kind of stick it to like all the smart kids, you know? <laughs> And it would be a cool opportunity to do so. And so anyways, I didn't think too much of it. I, I wrote this little talk. I shared it with like my mom and like my, my best friends, like parents. And then they're like, hey, yeah, you should totally like present it, you know, like super encouraging and supportive. And I really didn't think much of it. But I remember the day came to pick the time slot for when we we're going to there was like a it was like 10 teachers in this committee. I remember thinking to myself, OK, I'm probably not like I don't know. I'm not the smartest guy there. I'm not the most academically gifted. I, I like played some sports. Like I'm not going to win on that. But I don't know. I just knew that if I went either first or last, that one of those could work out. If I went first and I crushed it, it would make everyone else kind of look bad. Kind of like, um, what's it called in like psychology? Like halo effect? Yes. And if I went last, it would be kind of a risk because then there'd be some really, really great people, right? Maybe they could make me look bad. But if I, if I crush it at the end... And I, if I just, you know, do like a, a drop the mic performance, maybe I'll get it. You know what I mean? But I'm like, maybe they're going to be tired, though. You know, so I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, it's a little more risk if I go at the end. But maybe I'll go fresh, like fresh minds. Everybody's in attendance. It's like the first meeting. And if I, if I just do it and then the next person, if I bank on them kind of being average or sucking, it's going to make me look that much better. I remember thinking this. So I was like, OK, I'm going to sign up for the first spot because like for whatever reason, no one wanted the first spot. And I was like, OK, like first spot, that's it. Like, I'm going to go. It was like 4 p.m. after school. I'm ready. I remember doing the talk and they filmed you doing the talk. I just read the talk. Like I didn't do anything. It wasn't anything crazy. I just like read the talk. But I read it and I read it with energy and I read what I thought would be the best way of delivering it. I found out a couple of weeks later that I got the male speaking spot, you know, for, for my graduating class. So my first ever speech ever live speech was in front of 3,500 or 4,000 people at Constitutional Hall in Washington, D.C. because everybody's allowed to bring like seven or eight people. Everyone's got, got parents and everything. Wow. And it was during graduation. And I remember thinking like, you know, I was crazy. I was freaking out of my mind. I'm sitting on stage. Can you imagine like this like super average academic, you know, like I'm, I'm like a C, C or B average, nothing crazy. And I'm sitting on stage because, like, they, they want you close to the podium. You know what I mean? I get a chance to, like, shake people's hands as they're, like, getting their degrees and stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm so crazy. And I'm like, I'm looking out at the sea of people. I'm nervous out of my mind. My heart's beating. I'm like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to pass out. I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. I did the talk. And I remember at some point during the middle of the talk that... I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is such a cool feeling. You know, like when you find like a really comfortable spot and you could just, I don't know, like you just tell yourself, man, this is a really comfortable spot. This is kind of weird, but I was like, I want to make one person cry. Not cry in a bad way, but I just want to like 
touch someone emotionally. You know, because this is an emotionally driven day, like graduating high school in the U.S., it's like a really big deal. And anywhere, I think it's it's really a big deal. But yeah, that was that was my first talk. Ever since then, I've been trying to figure out. I always, I always say this, though. People that listen to that story, they go, oh, my God, that's so crazy. Look, I knew what I wanted to do since I was like 17. But it took me eight, nine years of getting over my own limiting beliefs, my own fears, my own like minutia my own like going through the motion i went to business school like i got a job like i did all these different things because i thought i had to do those things but honestly i knew at 17 i knew that day what i wanted to do i don't wish i, I could take it back but it's funny that i recognized the truth that day at 17 i just didn't have enough courage to say it i just didn't have enough courage david to step into that identity i didn't know how and so I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to go to college. I guess I'm going to go into business school. I guess I'm going to go into marketing. I guess I'm going to do this. You just like, you're following the trend. And then I, I started nine years later. I started speaking nine years later. Think of the time, right? <laughs> but it's okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not upset at it because I think we all have our own journey in terms of how we get there. But yeah, that's kind of the story of how I got my first speaking engagement. It sounds like you knew who your authentic self was. And you spent a while worrying about losing and trying to avoid losing and doing all of the safety things before you stepped into that. Yeah. And, and I just I look back and I go, wow, that's so crazy. It's so crazy that we knew. We always know. I, I think we always know. People are like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what, I, what excites me. I don't know what I'm passionate about. And OK, I get that. But, you know, here's a really good question to test yourself. It's like if you did know, what would you say? If you did know, if you let's just play a game, right? If you did know, well, oh, since we're playing a game, I really love this, you know? So I think we always know. It's just a matter of do we have the commitment and the courage to say it out loud? I think that you might also have answered the question of how you can embody all of this enthusiasm. You are doing what is authentically you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. David. But spe speaking of that, I mean, you're running this big business. You're keeping a lot of things going. You're juggling your family's real estate. You're... I'm curious about your self-care routine. What is your routine? What is your process? How do you keep yourself healthy and sane in the process? Sure, Dave. And this is such a great question. I would love to point out that I'm not a health coach. Um, or <laughs> as my girlfriend would even tell you, like I'm not even in like great shape by any means. She always makes fun and, and pokes fun. But a couple really simple things. You know, I, I learned from Sean Stevenson. Uh, really famous motivational speaker, and he also is a therapist. We had a therapy session when I interviewed him. It was good. You know, he, he always told me common sense is not common practice. And so what, what I'm going to share with you guys seems so basic that most of you won't do it. Guarantee it. Most people won't do it. But this is like, this is just my, my, my system. I don't even have like a, a full on like routine, but these are just things I do every single day that I built into to making myself optimize and, and working so you got to understand a couple things when we are getting a bit of brain fog you know like like that feeling of like oh i need more coffee or ah, i'm just like counting down the minutes whatever that feeling you know like you can't think or you can't do something right what that is yes it could be that you're really tired and exhausted that, that could be it but most likely what i would like to think about is that your body so much of your body's water and so much of your brain runs on oxygen so much of you is oxygen and water. You are not getting enough oxygen and you're not getting enough water, right? So a couple different things I do every day. I try to drink at least two liters. I know that we're on video, but for the people that don't see this, it's just a, a one liter bottle. I just try to drink two of these every day. I stay as hydrated as I can. Sometimes I do three. Sometimes I do one and a half. It's not perfect, 
But it's just always a, a reminder there. I always have water at every single room that I'm like always in. Always, always hydrate. Here's something that guaranteed most people won't do. I get up every hour to 90 minutes. I have a little timer. Everybody has this on, the, on their cell phone, right? And I get up every time I set the timer and I sit down to work. I get up and I just do some light breathing exercises, you know? And then people are like, oh, what are these breathing exercises? Just try doing long breath. So you don't need me to demonstrate 10 deep inhale and exhale. That's it. Nothing crazy. You know, there's, there's like variations and stuff. You know, you could go a little faster. You can go a little slower. Look, it's about breathing. Okay. If you spend two, three minutes, I know it sounds messed up. People are like, what? That's it. <laughs> like, yes. If you spend two to three minutes breathing, you are going to feel like you got a shot of espresso within your body. It's about moving your muscles. It's about stretching right? I don't know. Right now you can't see. I don't know. If, I'm sitting on a yoga ball. Okay. As I'm like bouncing around as I'm doing this, it's just keeping my body. It's keeping the blood flow going. Right. So I do little things like that to keep the blood flow, keep me hydrated. The last thing I'm not really good at this one, but trying to get eight to nine hours of sleep, trying to get as much sleep as you can, as you can, because really your brain is like an amazing tool. So you need to optimize this. It's about doing some really great work in like a, a small chunk of time. I'd much rather take three, four hours of focus time than 14 hours of I'm like sleep deprived. In fact, the whole sleep deprived thing, like you know you're not getting anything done. Nothing of value at least, right? It's not about a quantity game, right? It's about getting that sleep. That's what works for me. Some people are like, oh, I can run on six hours. I can run on three hours. If that works for you, that's cool. But these are just some of the little things that I do to make sure that I'm sustaining my energy throughout. Sleep, drink, and breathe. And you're right. 90% of people won't, won't hear you and they won't do it. They won't do it. They're like, okay, I'm skipping to when he talks about whatever. You know what I mean? I need something a little more complex, a little more meat on the bone, right? I get it. I get it. So, Jay, one of the things that I noticed while you were talking, I mean, you've, you've referenced a lot of books and a lot of things. You seem to have done a lot of work with, with mentors and with people who've, who've worked with you. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your experience with mentorship in your, in your own career development. I love this topic, first of all. I love the idea of mentorship because I feel like most people get it wrong. Now, I'm not telling you that I have it. I have the perfect answer and it's not it, but I think having a podcast, I think it's like the true mentorship hack. You have a podcast, all of a sudden, boom. Like I could, like if we go through my whole list of episodes, I can almost reference you everything I learned per person. Because I'm not saying like I went over and I listened to it again. I'm taking notes as I'm talking to them, right? I'm, I'm learning at least one or two things or maybe what to do, what not to do. What are some of their favorite books? Like I'm constantly engaging with them in these conversations, right? Guarantee you, if we stopped it right now, David, you probably learned at least one new thing, at least one new thing from this conversation, right? I, I hope that's fair. At least. Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think we're living in a world where like, you don't have those barriers to like, don't think of mentorship as like, oh, you got to go meet with someone every like three weeks or whatever, a month or three months. And you got to like show them progress. You can take that initiative. I look at Brendan Burchard, who I've never met in my life, right? But I love Brendan's work. He's like a virtual mentor to me. I would love to interview Brendan. That's actually how I pick a lot of times people that I strategically interview and I strategically have on. It's nothing against, I say no to a lot of people, it's nothing against their accomplishments, but it's there's certain people I want to learn from. How do they build the movement? How do they build that mindset? How do they build those things? And like, I want to emulate certain parts of it because I want to infuse their tactics with my voice and what I do, right? I think mentorship is like, you have an abundant, like you have access to like so much content and it's about choosing 
one or three people to really, really dive deep in and, and really, really learn from the maximize that time. You know, reading is another thing that you could buy someone's book. No author that I've ever talked with, I have friends that have launched like New York bestsellers, I have friends that have done Amazon bestsellers. Trust me when I tell you, when an author puts a book out, it's like their best stuff. Okay, no one wants to put their B-level stuff in a book. It just doesn't happen. Okay, like if you come out with a book, you know your name is attached to it, you're putting your best stuff in there. It, like it totally makes sense. So like you could get some people's like frameworks, years and years of experience in like just a book, $20 investment. In fact, sometimes you don't even have to read the book. You know, you can just watch a couple interviews that they've done, watch a couple talks that they've done and you'll get it. Like you really will get the essence of it, right? But it, once again, it's not about the content. It's not about the knowledge of it. It's about the application of knowledge. So all of it is really useless unless you apply it in your context, unless you make it relevant for yourself. So I hope that answered your question. It helps. And you know, there's certainly a, a wealth of knowledge out there if people are willing to apply it. And certainly you can go out and read and you can listen and you can study. But if you're not actually taking action, what's the point? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm sure people who are hearing this are going to want to find out how they can read and study and listen to what you're doing. How do people find you online? Two different places. By the way, David, I appreciate you asking me and just getting an opportunity to share with your audience. It's been really, really fun to just kind of kick back and, and chat with you like this. Uh, so two different places. One is definitely my podcast, The Inner Changemaker, which we've mentioned a couple different times. There's some amazing, amazing interviews with some great thought leaders and, and, and entrepreneurs and Olympians. And, and so that is a really great gateway drug to the whole brand. But another channel, which I'm spending a lot more of my time on is my YouTube channel, Jay Wong at TV. My intention is doing way more behind the scenes and way more videos in terms of just showcasing little different snippets, things like this, and, you know, different topics that we touched on. And so those would definitely be the best two best spots to hang out with me. Fantastic. Well, I will send people there. And of course, they can find all of that in the show notes as well. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today and for dropping all of this enlightened wisdom on us. Oh, man. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate this. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit HackTheProcess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>